0: Welcome to Pursue Wisdom, the teaching podcast of Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. I'm Paul Steele. I'm the pastor at Bethlehem Church, and we believe that we've been called to make disciples. And part of making disciples is teaching. We see this in the, in the ministry of Jesus. He spent a lot of time teaching the crowds and teaching his disciples, So when we talk about discipleship and we talk about spiritual formation, teaching is an important part of that. And we want to provide this podcast as a tool in your spiritual formation in Jesus, in your discipleship. What we are about to listen to is my sermon from this past Sunday, April 18th, 2021, And we've been going through the story on Sunday mornings. And the story is an abridged version of the Bible designed to give you an overview of what the Bible is. It covers the major themes of the Bible. And so we've been using that to help us understand what the Bible is about and to develop in our lives this practice, this discipline of reading, meditating on Scripture. We've gone through... uh, up to chapter 29, Paul's mission. And so this past Sunday, I looked at and focused on Acts chapter 15, where Paul and Barnabas come back to Jerusalem because they have this question, how much of the Jewish law do Gentiles have to follow in order to be disciples of Jesus? And what we see here is that this is a major issue that the early church has have. Has to navigate as they move forward in their discipleship and their discipling and their making of disciples of the entire world. So I hope that you benefit from it. So let's take a listen. So here we are, chapter 29 of the story. Two more chapters left. We've made it all through the Old Testament into the New Testament into the book of Acts. And one of the things, and then as, we, as we've read this, especially the, these last two weeks and continuing on uh, next week, as we talk about Paul's uh, missionary journeys, as we talk about the early church, one of the things that, uh, that I think we need to keep in mind is that the gospel originally went into a world that was immoral multicultural uh polytheistic in other words God has created the gospel to penetrate the culture that we find ourselves in today and if we look into the world if we look into our community if we look at the state of our country and find it to be hopeless then we're not truly believing the gospel that god has given to us the gospel is tailor-made for the culture that we live in now it's up to us with the guidance with the help of the holy spirit to find ways to connect the gospel with the hearts of people And so as we continue on through the story, let's let's have that bit of hope within our hearts that God has brought us here for just this time. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Our Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your presence here. Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, that he would be with us always, even to the end of the age. And so we stand here confidently today knowing that as we worship, knowing that as we read your word, knowing that as we discuss this and think about it, that you are here with us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in our hearts and in our minds that we might accept the truth that we discover there, that it might make a difference in how we live, And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So today we're going to primarily be looking at Acts chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 31. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 31. You know, disagreements are hard. Have you ever had a disagreement that just ruined a relationship, that just broke a relationship? When I was in college, it was getting towards, uh, it was 1997 because it was getting close to graduation time, and I had a really good friend named Carl, who we were, we were uh, together almost all the time through our uh, My five years of college, his six years of college. uh, There, Uh, and we 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 spent just time together. But as graduation neared, we had a falling out. I did not like the way he was treating some people, and we just so. By the time I graduated, we weren't speaking to one another at all. Fast forward a year. I had just moved to Russellville, Arkansas, and uh, started pastoring a small church, Boulder Avenue Christian Church in Russellville, Arkansas, and uh, it was getting close to graduation time again at Nebraska Christian College, and my sister, and the guy who would become my f- future brother-in-law, Kirk, So we're getting ready to graduate. So, I'm going to go back to Nebraska Christian College, and I knew that... I'm going to see Carl, because remember, Nebraska Christian College is like 130 students. You know, it's, you're going to run into people there. And so I wrote him a note, a letter. This is 1998, right? Back before email and all that stuff was really a thing. And I just, I apologized. I'm like, whatever part I had in this, you know, I'm sorry. And said, I, "When I'm up there in Norfolk, I really want to be able to get together." And so we, when I was there, we got together and we we renewed our friendship for at the, for at least a time. Uh, and uh, and in fact, after that, one of the things we started to do uh, is this predates blogs. We uh, we did a daily newsletter, email newsletter. I I'd write it, and he he compiled some stuff and and uh, it even got he he because he lived in council bluffs omaha area even got mentioned on one of the radio stations in omaha and uh, we were doing that he's the one that got me into blogging and and all of that and that reminds us that relationships are hard disagreements can cause a break in that relationship but god God always desires our reconciliation. He always wants those relationships restored. He does not like it when relationships are broken. And we see that as we've walked through the story, right? From the very beginning, God has sought reconciliation with his people. With Adam and Eve, after their sin, God seeks their reconciliation. He seeks to restore a relationship with them. We see that with the covenant he made with Abraham, right? After, after the flood, after the Tower of Babylon scattering the nations into the, into the world, after all that sin has done to corrupt God's good creation, he comes to Abraham and makes a covenant with Abraham and says, through you and your descendants, I'm going to bless all the nations in the world. I'm going to seek reconciliation through you, through your descendants, Again, we see that with Israel and the sacrifices. So God establishes a covenant with Israel. But Israel doesn't always keep that covenant. So what's, what's the solution? How do you repair a covenant when it's been broken? You need a covenant renewal. That's what the sacrifices are all about. The sacrifice doesn't necessarily take away people's sins. What it does is it, it, it restores people into covenant relationship with God. It renews that covenant that God had established with them. We see this again with Israel's exile and then return. God seeks reconciliation with his people. And ultimately we see it with Jesus. Jesus jesus is the ultimate statement that god seeks reconciliation with you and me with human beings he wants to be in relationship with his image bearers and so he sends jesus to die for us to establish a new covenant with us so that we can be reconciled to him right paul will say in his letters that we have a ministry of reconciliation Restoring relationships with one another and with God. Jesus said that, that blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children or sons of God. This is, this is one of the things that is on God's heart. is that we reconcile people to him and we reconcile one another in our broken relationships, in our, in our hurt, and in our broken hearts. And we see this ministry then take off in the book of Acts. See, oftentimes when we get to the book of Acts, we look uh, romantically back on the early church. right? Almost every church denomination today will say, oh, we're trying to be like the first century church, the early church. And we, we kind of think that, because they had the apostles and and all of that, that they had it all together, that they had this all figured out. But the early church had to navigate new territory. They had to do some things that had never been done before. And they did not agree always on what that looked like. All right, let's, let's just look at what's happened here in, in the book of Acts since, since uh, the sermon last week, which focused on Acts chapter 2 and Peter's message on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people coming into the church and then the community being devoted to the, to, to the apostles' te- teaching, to the fellowship, to uh, the breaking of bread and to prayers. They devoted themselves to this community. So what happened? Well, one of the things that began to happen was that the Jewish leaders continued their, their persecution of the church. You know, they wanted to stamp out the name of Jesus and they were going to do whatever they could to do that. So they persecuted the apostles. They arrested Peter and John. They said, don't preach in this, in this, guy's, in this name of Jesus anymore. Just stop that. And they experience this persecution that results then in the death of this guy by the name of Stephen, who was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Stephen comes onto the scene because there's this huge disagreement within the church that you had these widows, Jewish-speaking widows, and then Greek-speaking widows, who most likely came to Jerusalem when they came for, to celebrate Pentecost and Passover and Pentecost, and they've just stayed. That means they have no social network whatsoever here in this, in this community. And they find themselves in a very vulnerable spot. And there's this disagreement that rises because apparently only the jewish widows are getting this help this food that they need and the greek speaking widows are being overlooked so how do we how do we handle this conflict how do we handle this disagreement well the apostle said hey let's find six guys that can oversee this and they need to be full of the holy spirit and they need to be faithful people and Stephen's one of these people who becomes one of the first deacons who oversees this distribution of food. So they had that conflict there. Then you have Peter, he goes and he he, he goes. To the city of Joppa and, and Joppa he has this vision of this sheet coming down with with animals in it and there, all these animals are unclean unfit to eat and God says get up kill and eat and Peter says no they're unclean and God says what I've made clean don't call unclean and at that time these two servants from the house of Cornelius who is a centurion in the Roman army comes and ask for Paul or Peter to to come and you have this conflict now of Gentiles can Gentiles be Christians I mean, the, God's word, God's covenant has always been for the Jewish people. What, what is this all about? What does this look like? And God confirms it by before these people are baptized, God gives them the Holy Spirit saying, yes, they are part of my people. I have sealed them with my spirit. And that's when we run into this guy named Saul. Saul was there when Stephen was stoned. He approved of it. In fact, he hated the church. He hated the name Jesus. And he was going to do whatever he could to stamp it out. And he gets permission from the Jewish leaders to go to Damascus to arrest believers there. And on the way, he runs into Jesus himself. And Jesus calls him to a very important mission. To take this gospel that he's been trying to Uh, squash to take that very gospel into this world and so saul does but at first people don't trust them hey isn't this the guy that's supposed to be throwing us into prison i don't know if we can this guy you know there's that issue there but eventually a guy by the name of barnabas says yeah we can trust saul God's called him for this task, and He brings Saul to Antioch. And Antioch, there's a movement of the Spirit, and one of the reasons why that's prob- that hap- that's happening is that Antioch is really the first multicultural church, made up of Jews and Gentiles, because there you have both. It, Within that, that the, the, the listing of people there, you have both Greek names and Jewish names. And they're praying together, and God sets apart Barnabas and Paul to go into the world, to go to the Gentiles with the Gospels they are set off on this task of making disciples and this is where Paul changes his name from Saul to Paul he goes from using primarily his Jewish name because he's been in a Jewish context he's been a Pharisee a Pharisee and now he's going into the Gentile world so he takes on his Greek name Paul and that's how he's going to start to identify with those he is taking the gospel to now as they go out into the world to make disciples, here's the question that comes up. How do do Gentiles need to become law-abiding Jews before becoming Christians? Do Gentiles need to become law-abiding Jews before they become Christians? This is a huge, a huge debate that the early church is having. They don't really have the answer. They, they, they've been par- primarily focused on the Jewish world with some, some Gentiles on the outliers, but like, what, what are we asking? What, as we take this good news of Jesus into the world, what is the process that we're asking people to go through? What is expected of them? And so Paul and, uh, and Barnabas go into the region of, of Asia, primarily into the province of Galatia. And they start all these churches, and primarily all they're asking people to do is put their faith in Jesus. They're not asking the, these Gentiles to observe the food laws, to observe the Sabbath, to be circumcised. All these things that, that showed, that, that marked the Jewish people as different, as separate, as holy, as being God's people. They're just saying, hey, you believe in Jesus, you repent, you confess, you're baptized, that's it. That's how you become a follower of Jesus. And after they are done with that first missionary journey, and they return to Antioch, Peter's there. And Peter's fellowshipping with these, this group. And remember, it's, it's, uh, it's this multicultural church of Jews and Gentiles. And sometime along the way, there's this other group that comes. And they're using the name of James. And James is the brother of Jesus. And he's kind of the unofficial head of the Jerusalem church. And they use James' names and said, hey, you can't be doing that. You have to observe these laws. You have to observe these food laws. You have to do this. You have to be circumcised. You have to... And what happens is that even Peter says, oh, yeah. And he stops fellowshipping with the Gentile Christians. And so does Barnabas, who's been with Paul. And so Paul confronts Peter and says, Hey, you can't do this. You were were just fine before these guys came. And now you're going to say because you're not following the law, you're not you can't follow Jesus? You're not saved by following the law. None of us are. That's the whole point. We're not saved by following the law. We're saved by our faith in Jesus. And then you get this book called Galatians. Because these people who came from, who are using the name of James to kind of beef up their argument, have made their way into Galatia. And they're stirring up all these troubles and all this confusion. And so Paul writes to them, to say, hey, no, don't be distracted. Don't be, uh, don't be taken away. Now keep focused on the real thing, on the gospel. And so that is primarily why Paul and Barnabas go to Jerusalem for what we call the first council of jerusalem and found in acts chapter 15 because they have these questions they have these questions on okay what should we be saying we need to begin with verse one some men came down from judea to antioch where we were And we're teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia, Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law, the law of Moses. So here you have, again, the church at Antioch. What are we to do here? How are we to answer these questions? How, what is our way forward? And their solution was, we can't just answer these people based on our own understanding, based on our own teaching. We need some outside help. We need a more unified voice as a church. See, so many times when we come into conflict with other people, when we come into conflict with, uh, with other groups, we think it's up to so often we get so blinded, tunneled vision, like hey, this is the only way to do things. And we leave out the voices of other people and what they've experienced and what they're able to offer. One of the basic things, reasons why we have disagreements, is that we don't truly listen to one another. We come at it from our agendas, from our perspectives, and we want to force that on the other person. And so we have to be willing to share what we've experienced and we have to be willing to listen to their perspective as well. And so we need to seek help, we need to share our experiences, and we need to show respect. Verse 12, The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. We need to show one another respect. Respect is crucial. Right? When God says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. one of the basic things that we want people to do for us is to respect us, to show us respect. And so in these times of conflict, in these times of disagreement, as we're trying to figure things out and work our way through, what do we need to do? We need to show each other respect. Each one of us has valuable insights and understanding that we can benefit from, that we can listen to. Listening is so crucial. Right? James in, in James chapter 1 says, hey, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Be quick to listen. Be respectful to one another enough to listen to what each other has to say. It's crucial if we're going to make any progress united together in love and in mission and vision is showing one another the respect to listen to what they have. And then as we do this, sooner or later you have to come and you have to make a decision. You have to state the decision. Verses 13 through 31 when they had finished James spoke up. brothers listen to me Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself the words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written after this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it and the remnant of men may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things that have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat strangled of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the same synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and the elders and the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, also called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. With, With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and the elders your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Sil- 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 Greetings. Greetings, We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and, distributed, and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth that we are write, what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from the food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. We will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. The men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. So they came to an agreement. This is what what we're going to expect from the Gentiles. We're not going to expect that they have to keep the terms of the Old covenant. that's not our expectation their expectation is that they are to abstain basically from idolatry that's what all that that food stuff is basically all about it's it's how animals were sacrificed in idolatry just stay away from that and from sexual immorality and put your faith in jesus it wasn't about keeping all the festivals it wasn't even about keeping the sabbath day it wasn't about being circumcised it wasn't about keeping the kosher food laws no do these things this is how you're going to set yourself apart from this world and follow jesus follow his teachings that is what is expected that is what is required of you When we have decisions and we have choices and we have these things that come up. We may not always agree with it. I guarantee you that there are some of those Jewish Christians who when that letter was writ- written and sent out, like they were a little uncomfortable with. They didn't know if they agreed with it. But they came together in a unified voice and said, this is what we're going to do as we move forward. This seems like it's what the Holy Spirit is guiding us to do. See, part of being of church family, part of being together in a community, means that we won't always agree with every decision that comes down the line. but for us to move together as a community, as people who follow Jesus, we have to say, okay, if this is what we as a church feel, like this is the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading us in, let's be united behind it and let's go with it. And we'll throw our support behind it. There's nothing more disruptive to an organization, to a family, to a church than when there is these side conversations about things. And remember, we, we, this goes all the way back to the book of Acts. It's human nature. And so we put aside our feelings and say, yeah, we're going to be behind this 100%. Because this is where we believe as a church family that God is leading us right um, and some of that so some of what this is is it's believing that in our walk with Jesus as a it comes in community and that there is collective wisdom in us together And that one of us, you know, individually doesn't always have to have everything figured out. And so it's that trusting the bigger group, it's trusting the leaders that are in place that they are hearing from the Holy Spirit and that they are leading us in the right direction. So we are to look for help. We are to learn from one another. We are to listen to each other. And finally, we are to love one another love 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 that's what we're called to do love one another and we need to practice that the church and the the church was in this transition from old covenant to new covenant like they have grown up believing and doing one thing as they followed after god as they experienced being God's people and now God is doing something new through Jesus has established a new covenant through Jesus and it caused growing pains it caused some confusion and all that needed to be worked out but they were wise enough to realize that they needed to be unified in their mission in their message and in their vision That they couldn't be off saying one thing to one group and another thing to another group because that was going to cause confusion. That they need to be unified in this. And we need to be unified in what we do. It's so crucial that unity, being God's, the body of Christ, right? Being a family. All those metaphors that are used in the New Testament to describe the church, we need to be united. That's God's expectation for his people. So as we come to respond to what we've been hearing, as we come to respond to this Acts chapter 15 and the things that they had to work out, let's just take some time and thank God for Bethlehem. Thank God for this church family right here in Austin. And that we can be a part of it. Let's ask God for patience and grace in our relationships with one another. Amen? We need patience and grace in our relationships with each other. Let's ask God for a wise and discerning heart. A wise and discerning heart for ourselves and for our leaders. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this church family here in Austin called Bethlehem. We don't always know what plans you have for us or the the difference you want us to make in this community, but we're glad that you have brought us here. I'm thankful for each person here this morning. And the and the love and the help and the wisdom that each one of us has to offer. Father, we ask that uh, You would give us patience and grace as we deal with each other. We don't always see eye to eye. We don't always think we're doing the wise thing. We, don't, we have our own opinions and our own perspectives. Perspectives. And so for that, we ask for wisdom, we ask for patience, we ask for grace. Lord, help us to remember that there is something bigger going on in this world than just our agendas, just all what we want to accomplish. That you have something bigger for us. And Lord, we ask that you would give us a wise and discerning heart. Right? This, is, this is the prayer that, that Solomon offered and it's the prayer that we offer. That we need Your wisdom. We need Your wisdom to be Your people. We need to discern what is right and from what is wrong. The, the, uh, what is the best from what is merely the good. So Father, give us that discernment. Help us to be wise. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So our big idea this morning is God's people overcome the disagreements of mission through our love for God and our love for each other. We overcome our disagreements on the way we should live, on the mission that we should be on through our love for one another and our love for God. It all comes back to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself this is what god has called us to do to love and as we love one another what do we do we go into the world and we make disciples that's what the life of the church looks like loving people making disciples that's what we've been called to do so here's our challenge this week to chat our challenge is to ask god in prayer to bless a person who has made your life more difficult Have that person in mind, pray for them. Ask God to bless their life. It's one of the ways that our hearts turn because we can bear grudges. We can do that, but that doesn't serve any good purpose. So we let that go by asking God to bless them, to love them. So remember, the Bible is one unified story that points to Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the one promised in the Old Testament to come and to restore our relationship with God, to bring reconciliation between us and God. And in the New Testament, we talk about how that happens and we proclaim this is what Jesus has done for us so that we can be reconciled to God. It all is about Jesus. And let us never forget that. It's all about Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for the Bible, your word. Father, we put our trust in what you say in the Bible, in Scripture. We know that it is your truth. We know that it is there to guide us, to help us, to give us the wisdom that we need to be your people. And Father, as we go forward, as we live as your people bless us with the resources, bless us with the love, bless us with the patience that we need to demonstrate your character in this world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Pursue Wisdom. I hope that this was a challenging me- message for you. I hope that that it gives you something to, to think about, to meditate on. And, uh, and so if you have found benefit in these podcasts, if we have helped you in your discipleship, my one ask is that you give towards the ministry of Bethlehem Church. And you can do that by going to our website, BethlehemChurchAustin.com. And there's the tab at the top of the page that says give, follow that. And we would really appreciate it. Again, we are here uh, to be a tool in your discipleship, And we continue to hope and pray that God is working in your life. Have a good week and God bless.